This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'll leave you with this with Dustin Chafin. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with this. Please subscribe to our Patreon page. You can uh, hear all kinds of extras with uh, T.J. Miller on the road and hell gig stories and behind the scenes of a comedy club in Manhattan. So please support that. I could really use your support. So if you like this podcast, please uh, sign up for Patreon page. It's only like two bucks, and you can really kind of uh, get some extra stuff that I want to try to add. It's even getting better and better each week. So please support us, and uh, I'll give back. I promise. On the road with T.J. Miller, special episode <laughs> for "I'll Leave You with This" podcast. This oh, weekend, this, this like, weekend, the podcast it's called <laughs> "On the Road with T.J. Miller." It kind of is, you know. It's, it's, I don't you're, know you're, well, you're the Patreon, you know. You're the, I'm trying to trying to get more people to go to the Patreon, <laughs> which you cheap fucks never go, go to, the to the Patreon. Patreon. They never go. They what just they get cost? everything from free. It's but like two it, bucks a month, yeah, and you get. Say, what does it cost and, to get two dollars for free? They just they don't. Comics are I cheap. I guess if you're paying for the content, it's not free, but but yeah, but it's it's it should it's extra extra content. I'm trying to like do stuff, but you know what? Comics are cheap. I think my biggest audience is all comics, and half of them are living on ramen noodle and sleeping on somebody's couch. Yeah, that's you know? exactly right. So, or living on couch and sleeping on somebody's ramen noodles. Yes. I don't know if you ever slept on a, a hot batch of ramen noodles. No. Warm, lukewarm. Very comfortable. Have you ever taken a, uh, a hot bath? bath, hot ramen noodle bath? I would love I saw that. a girl do that once. Really? Yeah, and on f- uh, Instagram, she did like she filled up the whole bathtub with uh, ramen noodles. I mean, you know, it's funny. Yeah, that would probably be very pleasurable and might cost only seven dollars and thirty cents. I mean, it's so cheap. That's yeah, like, but a uh, cheap way to have a very strange time. I don't know. Hopefully, you don't have a yeast problem. Anyway, um, so Whoa, hey, hey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's spicy. spicy. Might get a little too spicy. Yeah, you know? I don't like I don't know about anatomy. I'd love to make love yeah. to Kate in a bathtub <laughs> full of ramen noodles. That'd be hot. I think that we'll would, do that one day. That'd be good. That's a that's a good uh, she doesn't like magazine pasta, thing. But I'm, I think she's usually talking about it's, eating it. Ladies, good, whoa, good, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk Man, to me. What a, come on over and say hello. Hello. What a weekend, huh? Wow. This was full of museums, theater shows, comedy club. I mean, it was just everything. It's always jam-packed. Of like just so yeah. much going on when when we get to work together, I'm always so excited. I mean, this one was especially yeah. interesting because we did a, an interesting swath of the Upper Northeast. Yeah. And I use the word swath very liberally. Yeah, I gotta Google that, but. Uh, and um and <laughs> and so we got three different dates in three very different places, and they were all places where we came back to New York that night. So. Yeah. That's always interesting for me, and I got to do that. I've gotten to do that. Um, couple times where it's Kate's in town and you know I'm just going to New Jersey and so each night I'll sort of come back be able to spend the morning with her get to sleep in your own bed yeah um and that's sort of what this was even though one of the 
trips on Saturday was to Providence, Rhode Island. That was four hours away. Yeah, quite four a trip. Four and a half on the way there, but what was it, two? About two something. Two and a half on the way back. Yeah, what a show, though. That was so cool. Yeah, that was great. They were a lot but, of so fun. So let's start at the beginning. First well, of let's all, do museums, because I feel like I don't have, like, uh, I'm a culture nerd, and so I'm happy that you're a culture nerd. And then, like, yeah. you're one of the few comics that will go to museums with me. And we did three museums in three days, which is, I think, phenomenal. We yeah. did uh, Museum Moving Image, well, which is Story Queens, great museum. Yeah, and that that's one of the things. Two things happened this time is we really remembered and but also utilized the fact that you went to art school. Yes. You appreciate art. Yes. I'm married to an artist. I really okay. I don't understand a lot about art, but I really do enjoy it, especially enjoy museums. Yeah. And so we really went full throttle with the museum, buddy. But it was also you've been talking about us going to... Uh, the Museum of the Moving Image for a while. Yes, and I knew you would love it. Yeah, and and what I realized is we just finally had to go. He said, you know, you really got to get up there. And I said, all right, let's go tomorrow. Yeah, and, and we so made it we'll, happen. You know, we, and I said, we can stay for just enough time to then come back. And then on the way over, I saw that uh, there's a basket, a basket, I guess it is. Basket, um, I like that better, basket. basket. There's a, a John <laughs> Michael... There's a Gene Meikel basket exhibit. Meikel? Is it Meikel? And it was closing that day. So I said, you know, why don't we do Museum of Moving Image in Queens and go to the Guggenheim. Yes. Guggenheim. Guggenheim. The Gugger. Guggenmeister. The Guggenmeister. Go to the Guggenheim to see Gene Mitchell (laughs) basket (laughs) in Defachement. Defachement. And uh, we, on the Upper West Side, and so we did both. Yes. I also felt good about not seeing all of the Museum of the Moving Image because they have an incredible Jim Henson ex- exhibition. Dark Crystal. It's now permanent, right, Dark Crystals. But it's running until Kate and I get back. So when yeah. Kate's back, so I didn't want to see the Jim Henson thing without her, and I did a great thing. So yeah, that was good. Her, Makes you look good. Because hey, that's you know, what you want to do. you got to yeah. wait for things. Like, Lee and I wait for, like, TV shows and, like, well, you know. Well, she doesn't. Kind of yeah, she got. But, uh, she did. But she, she did. She was trying to be cool in front of you. She's just trying to be cool in front of you. She waits. She waits. She knows better. Um, but so I kind of, even though we wanted to go to the Guggenheim, I thought it was funny uh, to then tell Kate, well, listen, I just couldn't see the Jim Henson yeah. uh, exhibition without you. And she was just like, oh, you're making me swoon. I, was I like, know. You're yeah, you make us all look bad with your romantic ways. Yeah. I think if you look like me, I mean, you're sort of a handsome cowboy. I'm kind of a toddler-bodied horse jaw. Yeah, And so you really got to make up for it with love letters and things like that. I sent her her four love letters because it was 12 days until we saw each other. And I said, open one every three days. Wow. And, like, one's really sweet and loving, like... There are a billion people. Are you good at writing letters, like love letters? Yeah, pretty good because she's an artist, so I can. They don't have to be just a letter. Sometimes I use the words, or they rhyme, or you know, they're big words and little words. Well, you have pretty good penmanship, right? No, I don't. You don't? I have chicken scratch. I do too, and I think it's hard to like, you know, write a love letter when it looks like a seven-year-old wrote it. You know what I mean? Like it it takes away from like, and then I'm crossing out. I'm crossing out words. I like a body. Yeah. Yeah. It's like adding too many R's, you know, or something. I'm crossing stuff out. Yeah, that's that's just the worst. But I I sort of (laughs) put arrows that go to here, and you know, one of them it was uh, there are six billion people in the world, and you're my favorite. And then in there, I put all over the um, all over the card. I put one, two, but in different places: three over here, five on the top right, twelve on the bottom. 
And then I put responses to each of those people if they wanted to hang out. And it was like, eh, nice try. Wow. No, thanks. I just do nice, check please. the box. That's what I do. Yeah. If, if you like me, check this box. Yes or no. <laughs> Classic. Would you touch my penis? Classic. Yes, yes or no. no. And then she does maybe, and then I'm confused. Maybe so. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, all right, we'll I'm confused have. for like a week. Um, so I, uh, um, yeah, so I sent her a bunch of love letters while she's out there in France preparing her... Uh, or installation exhibit in Avignon at the Festival de Art in Avignon. Yeah, that's really cool. She does. Uh, it's great. So it's good. So, but I told her I'm not going to see the Jim Henson thing without you. Do you and guys I, have a Jim Henson co- uh, connection? Is there a thing or oh, a reason yeah. why? Like her what's favorite movie is Labyrinth. Okay, that um, is a great one. She and I both love Dark Crystal. Okay. We're both into Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock's the best. And she loves the Muppet Show, which I have gotten into more and more since uh, marrying her, being betrothed. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, that as a kid. Did you not watch it as a kid, or? Yeah, I watched a little bit as a kid. I loved it, but yeah. she she was she watches it as an adult. Okay. And then the other thing is, you know, <laughs> I made Gorberger, which is a, a puppet. Fantastic! Talk it was so cool. And um, so she just loves puppets. I love puppets. Did you design like that puppet? Um, Did you like work with people? It, Did you work with people? The director brothers who designed it. Okay. Kind of had this uh, this vision in their mind. I, I more designed his like personality. Okay. Was that a dream come true for you to like work? Because I know you yeah, love that kind crazy. of like just all kinds of medias it. and things. We're gonna do more of it. You okay. Know? You're gonna I, do I do something else. Go oh great. I think just to do more of those shows and it I, I watched the between the two ferns film yeah well I, uh, with what Zoom, i liked your Zoom thing Finucas, yeah i realized that his whole joke is that he's like mean or accidentally mean yeah gorberger is like so nice he's not mean at all and i love that much more well i love japanese television and things like that and yeah, just like it's great. it's like so kind of weird and like you just don't know what's going to happen it's just the it's the sounds and the music and the yeah. people are like oh, just bizarre. so ridiculous yeah and it's like you really captured that whole kind of foreign television thing which i think i a lot yeah. of people love and that i even remember there was one there was one uh joke where they brought it to me and they're like in this one they're going to play cornhole cornhole but they're okay. going to throw um, a, pe- a corn on the cob piece into the butt of they're going to try and throw <laughs> it the actual holes of the butts of these Japanese guys and I was like eh, I don't think that's really that funny and they're like no trust us it's going to be hilarious and I was like I'm positive it's not going to be what was the Kenny G and thing? we watched yeah. it and it was fucking hilarious. It was hilarious, sorry. Um, what was the, the Kenny, Kenny G? G? It was like a melting was, thing? I forget what it was. No, it was, uh, he had trapped Kenny G and he had a soft jazz lever. Yes. And what the lever did was, Kenny had to play soft jazz and if he didn't, then uh, I would pull the lever and the lever would bring a chainsaw closer <laughs> to a, um, a cinder block above <laughs> Kenny G's head. <laughs> and we had put his, she, we put cement shoes on him. Yeah. So he was basically trapped and had to play <laughs> soft jazz whenever Goreberger wanted. Oh, that's fantastic. So there was just great stuff, and we got really good people. Was he cool? Was he cool to he work was with? So cool. All yeah. those people were cool yeah. in part because they just sort of knew they would never do anything like this again. It's just yeah. so out there. Well, sometimes it seems like people will kind of make fun of themselves, and some people won't. They're a little too serious. So you find that in Hollywood, I'm sure. Yeah, like, I, I think. You know. Those people, you have to see the show to agree to do it. Yeah. And I feel like those people just didn't agree to do it. We had some. Yeah. 
We got close to Lupe Fiasco. We had some. No, but even like with two f- in between two ferns and stuff, you see people we were talking about the other day. Some people are a little more kind of into it and letting him play, and then some people just take themselves too serious a little bit, or they have t- more of yeah, an agenda by doing the show. Past yeah. it, but I think yeah. you know Letterman was a good, but it does feel a little like Seinfeld is like. But you know, then they do the outtakes, and you find that people need to sort of play that. Um, yeah. That character, but I I, yeah. I love Goreberger, and the big thing about it is it's a puppet. Like Comedy Central wanted to pick it up for a second season. Yeah, we said, oh, that's awesome, and they were like, but Viacom just bought us, and they want a complimentary program to South Park. Yeah, and uh, so and the, Kent Alterman, who is the head of the network, he, you know, he's the greatest guy. He's an actual comedy guy, and he's like, so yeah. I hate to bring this up but what they wanted to know is could Goreberger be an animated show uh-huh. and I was like what kind of goes, goes against yeah, the whole I thing know. but they want something animated to go against South Park to sort of pair with it and I said no it can't be animated it's a puppet that's like the entire yeah. point of the whole thing so no it can't and they were like okay and they were really cool you stuck to they your puppet guns I respect the property. that yeah but I'm Stuck to my puppet guns. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I yeah. released the property. So yeah. we own it, and we're going to go and make it somewhere else when the time comes. And That'll be great. Is right. um, back I'm to the Muppets. Do you have a favorite Muppet? Who do you like? Who's? Jeez, that's tough. I mean, yeah. you know, you love uh, yeah. Fozzie the Bear. Fozzie? he's a comedian. He is He is funny. He's kind of a, a vod, uh, kind of a, a Catskills guy. Yeah, he's a waka waka dink. Catskills, yeah. That's his deal. But you have a little bit of animal in you. I have a little bit of that. I, yeah, I think I could see yeah. that. He's he, funny. Then I always thought, I don't know, they're all so good. Oscar the Grouch was always so funny. Um, Bert and Ernie, I always thought were funny. Um, but I watched a super cut of... Um, what are the critics' names? Oh yeah, I just say the old guys yeah. in the balcony. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, they're, it's those like guys Statler, are they're really funny. Statler and something else, and they're just oh god, they're so funny. So I watched a super cut of that, and that was really making me laugh. But Kate likes kind of Miss Piggy and stuff. Yeah. We went through a quick kind of phase of Miss Piggy's too needy, man. She's she's got a lot of emotional problems. She's got a lot of emotional problems. She really is. She's always dumping on Kermit. Like it's a there's a lot going on there. Like she's she's just like always she's a pig. She's yeah, she's like beating up on him and stuff and yelling at him. She's she's really she needs some medication. Kermit She's flipping out and jealous. Oh my god. I've never seen anybody more jealous. She's all it's flipping it's out. Pig. Yeah, she gets mad because he looks at a chicken or something or another animal. Yeah. Like she gets really weird <laughs> when he's like talking to chicken? another animal. Oh, she's talking to that chicken. Yeah. Ah, you're my man. Yeah. And she like flips out. Yeah. And well, we went through a whole kind of <laughs> phase. We watched a bunch of the Golden Girls, and that show is Golden so Girls. Speaking funny. of Muppets, uh, yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. That, <laughs> they weren't real, you know that, right? They're all Muppets. I mean, they all They're all puppets. Crazy, but they. Anyway, we went through a bunch of those things, but the Muppet Show is a big part of that. And then Kate, there was a time in her life where she watched the Labyrinth at least once a month, sometimes more. Yeah. So she that movie she likes, is really important. She to likes her. David Bowie and every those, part of it is important. She loves David Bowie. Those tight pants. What's not to love? Tight pants. And <laughs> she also is very quick to kind of be like, I don't know. She's she's quick to sort of point out all the allegories within it and all this kind of stuff and. 
Yeah, she has a younger brother. And Bowie's a great story too. Just you know, he was like he studied clown and that stuff too, mime and things. It seems like he, a lot of his early stuff, he yeah, really got yeah, into Bowie that dramatic was a mime stuff. Guy and Kate, yeah. Kate was a mime, kind yeah. of, uh, in high school also. So. And he's a true story of just not giving up. He had like twenty albums before he even like really hit. Like he was he was really pumping out material, and people yeah, just weren't like really getting into him until Ziggy Stardust, and then people popped. Yeah. That's the thing with comedy. It's like the same kind of thing. It's like it's a grind of just keep keep producing material, keep getting out there. And yeah, said, especially keep yeah. writing new stuff. Writing new stuff. Keep, don't give works, up. You know, just keep Learn how to crush. I freaked out a lot when I when I really realized, oh, you're on you're on tour in perpetuity. That's that's real. Yeah. I was like, oh, I gotta get new material to. What happened was I just by trying new stuff in New York and on the road. Yeah. Slowly built out um, new stuff. So now, you know, some of the conceits are the same. There's juggling, yeah. there's trombone. The ventriloquism is new, but it's there. Well, it's I like, like, yeah, I like watching you work something out in the city and then like at a small club and then you kind of like formulate it a little bit and then you and get then it you to can a bigger go out venue. There and, and try and try and really hone it and make it great but i yeah. just this ethnicity chunk sort of appeared this kind of laughter appeared and the laughter chunk and and combining that with the toledo ohio stuff and yeah that stuff's really funny suddenly you have a new 20 minutes and if you go yeah. if somebody comes to a show and they see 20 new minutes and then the rest of the show is what they loved last time yeah that's fine they're just like it was great seeing it. That's great. And I I improvise as much as I can. To, and you were riffing tonight with the two guys in the front row. Yeah, we're having fun. A couple of gay dudes up front playing with them, having fun. Yeah. They were like uh, they were into it. We had a good time. You know, one time I saw Carl and and uh, the Beacon and stuff, and he he did a did a brand new set, and then he went back and it was kind of an encore and he came out and did greatest hits and i thought that was the coolest thing like right, he just really cool. yeah he just came back out and just did you know the seven words you can't say and blah, 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 and just kind of just kept doing that and the audience just went bananas it was like they just really loved that yeah, idea yeah they got the new stuff, stuff but then they got the, the bits that they love to hear and stuff so i think that's really interesting which is not the case with a lot of you know bands that have long careers yeah it's like just play the hits i yeah. saddest thing i heard i was at a uh, i forget where i was i think <clears throat> rockville and jacksonville so i think it was yeah. in jacksonville florida and the guy the dj i know is a promoter from the the thing maybe it was there but i don't know where it was but it was a music festival and the guy goes, and Scorpion's coming, and so-and-so's coming, <laughs> and this like band's a hurricane. coming. And he was like, and they're just playing the hits, okay? We don't have to listen to any of their new stuff. <laughs> don't worry about it. You're going to go, and you're going to hear just the hits. And that was so depressing. It really it was is. this guy man. telling everybody, yeah. like, don't worry. They're not going to try and be artists or break any barriers or do anything new. They're just going to be a live jukebox. And with that, I kind of feel like, why not just get a tribute band? Yeah, no, that it's is really weird. It's kind of sad that they would say that. Whereas in comedy, they're really not going to say that. They're not going to be like, no, he's just going to be doing the bits. Oh, yeah. Heard. Well, they that get they get mad there. sometimes if they've seen you. And, they, you know, I've had situations where people see me and they just see some of the same stuff. And they just get like, well, you know, I saw that last time. And it's just like with music, it's kind of the opposite. Like they want the same stuff. But with yeah. comedy, I feel like there's a, a thing where they want a new experience and they think it's a little easier to write comedy than it is music people think it's like how come you don't have a new hour right you know they just feel like it's just so easy to do that and then if you get like a couple great hits they're like yeah that's funny you can stop working just keep playing those (laughs) 
but Just Ari Spears was famous for uh, doing the same act every single time, such that uh, the uh, the staff would um, put um, they would set they could set their watch to his act. Oh wow! So they knew that if he was doing this joke, it was eight forty-five, and they knew if they did this joke, then they should call the Uber. Wow! They knew that if they were doing this joke, then they could call the sitter and say, "Hey, he's going to be done by this time. <laughs> I'll be able to check this out." Is by this is already Spears. Yeah. yeah. Wow! And then some people went and actually did a double header when we did the second show in Rawway, the uh-huh. late show. Yeah. And a lot of people went and saw. This is, I guess, a thing that comedy fans do in. The upper northeast and okay. tri-state area type deal in mass and rhode island and new is people said that they went to an early show and then came and saw us so some people went to see re spears and then came to our 10 o'clock show okay and I, one guy online went to dave attell and then came and saw our show okay so if you're a real comedy fan you can see two shows in one night yeah that's pretty rare and like outside of the city outside of new york yeah but i know. think what people are starting to realize is hey wait a second if i go to this show and it's going to yeah. be over by 9.30. Yeah. In a half an hour I can make it over to the club in Rhode Island. Yeah. I, the show's in Boston and then I'll be able to see both. And I, so I I thought that was really fascinating. But so that that kind of brings us back to you know what we did. We sort yeah. of did Heavy Duty Museum. We saw the Whitney Biennial today, Sunday. Yeah. We got up kind of early to go see that. We actually saw the whole thing. No, it was great. It was kind of like the uh, New Faces you know, of, of the art world, you know, it was interesting. Yeah, to, every two years yeah. they bring in the, the best of the best of contemporary arts. It's a lot of newer people. Yeah, it's nice to see that because usually when you go to a museum, it's like, you you know, I'm going to see the Van Gogh, the Picasso, da, 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 and all the same stuff. And so it's nice to, to know that art is still being produced, you know. It's like you, it just seems like good. such a lost art form Although sometimes. some of it was sort of so heavily politicized that I was kind of going, we know, we know. Yeah, we well, I, was, every day. I was thinking that though. I was like, I was thinking, I was sitting there because you know, I started in art. You know, I sold paintings. I did all that stuff. I got in art school and all that. And then it was like, you know, I found comedy as a way to kind of like just get me out of my shell. And like, I found this new medium that I really enjoyed, and I started doing it. And then today, I'm sitting there and I was watching some of the performance. Not perform. Well, yeah, they did have some performance stuff, dancing That's and stuff. Weird ballet. And shit. weird ballet. <laughs> hanging on the jungle gyms but uh it was yeah but i thought to myself it's like it would be kind of interesting to be doing like art like that because you can say so much because there is so much political backfire happening that it would be interesting to try to do something like paint or put video together or something because there is so much content with like the way the world's going like kind of like a vietnam era where there's so much good art that came out of that era because of all the things that were happening in the world that's why the music was better and a lot of the art was better because of so much chaos yeah we're not seeing a lot of uh i mean the art was politicized but not a lot of music is political at all yeah well i mean yeah there's no woodstock thing happening so much more and yeah People don't really want to hear comedians talk about um, uh, politics right now, but more they kind of do. There's no, the Bill they, Maher fans and things. It depends, yeah, but yeah, but no, yeah. but they they don't even want to hear about like Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle talking about outrage culture and cancel culture and the internet and yeah, people kind of don't want to face up to the fact as, as well, to how bad things are instead of just all agreeing yeah. and rallying against it because 
people are so far on either side, and then everyone yeah. in the center is just like, ugh, just tune it out. Well, Bill Burr's special was all about just kind of the outrage of not being able to say things, people getting offended, and, you know, it's like... That was the same. Yeah, it's, it's like very similar tone they both right had. Now. Yeah, I feel that's the new thing people rant and rave about. Well, that you can't, can't rant and rave. I can't <laughs> believe, right, but I can't believe that Vanity Fair and some of these idiots that are writing, I guess they're, I don't know, but they're all kind of going... Some Vanity Fair guy goes, well, I think it's a little old to be talking about how all of this stuff is not okay. Like, shouldn't you possibly work with him? And it's just everybody is missing the point of the Colin Quinn did a great thing. You know, yeah. His, he talks about politics. Yeah, his is great. He says, yeah, I totally got into comedy because I kind of wanted to stay within the confines of society and be told what is uh, what is okay to say and what's not okay to say. And he just sort of laid this thing out where it's like, you don't become a comedian so that you can say, oh, oh, really, it's not okay to talk about that? All right, well, then I won't talk about that. Yeah, yeah. That's well, not the point of it. Well, how do you, T.J. Miller, how do you, like, keep with focused? With backwards trombone. <laughs> no, but how do you, like, you know, with you know criticism and things and people coming at you and stuff, like, how do you stay in the lane of comedy and keep in the enthusiasm and the love for the art and like just to ignore that stuff that you know people say and stuff like how do you kind of just well, do that some real practice yeah. to stop paying attention to the media and understanding yeah. that people saying these horrible things on the internet does not translate to the rest of america it's just these people on the internet yeah and i see that when i'm on the road with you they yeah, just, you know, the, just none of that is there that no, negative energy ju just like and dave Chappelle's kind of touching on this without really saying it but just like everybody's arguing about trans people and trans rights and transphobic. And for most of America, that doesn't apply. They just don't know anybody who's yeah. trans. You're talking about 0.0000000004% of the population. And everyone could be made fun of. I'm sorry. Yeah, everybody. That's the way. But everybody. I, but what I'm talking about is that no one in Chanute, Kansas cares about transgender bathrooms because they don't know anybody who's trans. Yeah. And most of those people who are trans are trying to get out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. And get to New York or Los Angeles or Seattle or one of these places where they can feel good and be that. But so, you know, 90% of the places that I tour, that's just not an issue that they care about. And so all of this kind of outrage and calling people transphobic and all this stuff. It's that internet crap. Everybody yeah. is just, pretty much everybody in America is just rolling their eyes at that. And I just try and, and I tried to talk to Shane Gillis about this a little bit, but I just try and remember that, you know, all these people are saying all this stuff and TMZ wants to be a part of everything. And, and it just isn't real. Like, I, yeah. everywhere I, I, I've never, ever... It's all click and bait. Yeah, since I started touring, I have never um, had anyone in a show be disrespectful or say something that they had read online. I had never, I've never had somebody in a VIP line say like, "I just want to tell you, you're a real piece of shit" or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Never, not even once. And um, the one time. Recently, you were you were there. This girl at the comic strip, really sweet girl, comes up to me and she goes, "You know, I told my boyfriend that I met you, <laughs> and he said, oh, I heard he was a real asshole.'" And I was like, "No, no, 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 he's not. I, you know, he's really nice." So I told him, "I said, no, you're. He's really, really nice." And Dustin made the point, like, "I don't 
don't need to know that. Like, why? Why is that even something you bring up? To yeah, it's such a weird thing to say to somebody, especially yeah. But she's super young and the new to the city yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I just think it was funny because it's like, well, who did he hear that I was an asshole from? It made me even think like I've heard, um, what's her name? Um, from the Devil Wears Prada. And oh yeah, and Hathaway. And Hathaway, I've heard that she's really tough. Yeah, and I've heard that Rebel Wilson is really tough, but but we but but, what, I just, I, but you don't know like, what scenario that is. But it's just like reputation about Anne Hathaway. But you know what I mean. So, you don't I, know what so then I thought I was like, well, maybe she's not bad at all. Yeah, maybe that's the same thing this guy's thinking. Yeah, but I did hear about Rebel Wilson from a PA. Okay, but there's a component about that where it's like, okay, I heard someone who's actually interacted with her, but. It's what you said. What is the context of that? Was she yeah. being told by studio executives like, yeah. you need to lose weight or this? Is, yeah. this these things were terrible. It's like, the money changed. Somebody's walking on set. Like somebody, yeah. you know, it's like somebody was. She broke you know. up with her girlfriend. Yeah, we don't know. That, that you don't know the scenario. Her boyfriend. Rather. Yeah. But it, it doesn't. That doesn't mean that. Um, uh, that doesn't mean it's okay to like be shitty to people no but i've definitely i've snapped at a couple directors i snapped at michael bay i snapped at will eubanks on um on underwater and you know that's that that wasn't me being a dick or yeah that's not the way i am it's just like sometimes the work is so grueling and there's so much pressure because it's all on you the camera's on you i mean any of these other people let's let's don't just skim over that i mean underwater that's coming out in 2020 january 10th that's amazing tell us about that a little bit well great excited and i did this movie uh with vincent cassell and john gallagher jr and jessica henwick and mamadou and it was um it's like an alien underwater yeah, kind of like movie. An underwater yeah. aliens meets abyss. It's a thriller. It's a Great. throwback to the Cloverfield days, and I'm excited because it happened exactly ten years after Cloverfield. So I think you, I, at least I, really saw the difference between Cloverfield and then having acted for ten years and gotten that ten thousand hours. Okay. And then what I was doing in underwater, and so I, I'm really interested to see. But I know from being on set and seeing the stuff that it's just. You know, I'm a very different comedic actor from that point, and this is a much, it's actually a much more intense movie, and I'm on camera. Was it physically grueling at all? Like, it's terrible. These, you know, what, uh, what kind of stuff do you have to do? suits that we wore. What kind of these suits? underwater suits. Um, mine weighed 165 pounds. Oh, <laughs> really? Wow. I mean, that's more than half my weight. And it's, Kristen Stewart's weighed like... I don't even know. Like she's teensy too. Yeah, right? she's small. I don't. I forget. I forget if it was like. And so you had to kind of like sixty or seventy pounds. Were you were you like really in the water? Hundred. Yeah, it was a lot. Wow. A lot of times we were in these tanks where okay. it came up to kind of your chest. Okay. You sort of still walk, but we would just. Float That's so crazy. In the water for eight or ten That's hours. That's so crazy. Just came out looking like prunes. That's <laughs> so and cool then, though. Uh, so cool. And then other times we were sort of walking, and then they would add. The Water and Post. That's part of why it, we filmed it three years ago. Yeah. It's going to come out three and a half years after we filmed it. Yeah, that's crazy. But I'm excited because it is a very different film. than The I've trailer was amazing. The trailer was yeah, great. Trailer You're all over great. it. It was very funny in a few places and scary in others. Like It's going to be very cool. Super fun. So 
Kristen Stewart in a black sports bra. You know, the whole thing was just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> she's cool too. I mean, she's that was, she's that was great a actress. Fun, uh, yeah, that she's was, really that underrated. Was a fun one to do. But again, that's the thing where like now, you know, the internet can just be like, "Fuck you, canceled, worst." Yeah. Blue. You know, I can't even watch the movie because he's in it. Like all this crazy shit that people say. And then the studios like Kristen Stewart, Vincent Cassell, and T.J. Miller. That's the best part. And the like, and is so cool. And everybody comes to the show and it's like, oh, I saw the trailer. I'm so excited about it. So that's what I say. It's like kind of tune out that noise and just be more prone to the audience. Well, like, one of my favorite. pay attention to the audience that's yeah. in front of you that particular Well, night. my favorite. It's the only thing that yeah. really matters. Well, my favorite bit about you, years that you did, was uh, about the Emoji movie, where you just kind of like snapped and you're just like, it was for kids. You know, people flipped out and right. saying, why would you do that and whatever. And so, like, it's a crappy uh, movie. It's like, yeah, it's for kids. Have you watched movies for kids? Like, it's not, it's, it's not for you. Yeah, it's not. Is you know, like, why, why are you, you reacting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had such good, you know, kind of just like perspective on that because people just get crazy about things because they think it's not Deadpool 3 or not dead this or that. And it's like, that's not the movie he's doing right now. And it's like the thing you have, you have a very diverse kind of, you know, career of different things that you do. And I think some people, well, it's you know, for, it's not for 20 year olds who are like, I can't believe Hollywood's putting out this schlock. I'm like, it's not schlock. Yeah. It's an animated film for children. Yeah, kids Ang- love it. Yeah, All Angry Birds like two just came out. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like who cares? Right. It's it's really weird. It's just people want something to be angry and hateful and weird about. It's so sad. And that's that's what the internet is yeah. kind of. And do you like making smooth. movies um, better than like you know television? Like, do you like the? Uh, oh yeah, because yeah. you're not about like it's going to get canceled. It's going to get picked up. What's the deal? The schedule is like. More grilling, but also less grilling in some ways. You don't work as quickly okay. as in television, but so you have these, but you have these long days that are just about one scene. Well, but I like a movie because when you finish it, it's done, and then yeah. it goes out there, and then you're on to the next movie. Well, what was that jump like from you know stand up to actually doing something like you know a, a series or a, or a show? Because I feel like that had to have been kind of this you know just like different world for you to kind well, of be was, involved in that. I was taking acting classes uh-huh. and doing improvisation and sketch comedy and studying at uh, Annoyance Theater in Chicago and studying at Improv Olympic in Chicago. So you did a lot of improv. Okay. And eventually I toured with Second City. Okay. And in that, you're acting in these sketches. Okay. And I always excelled in the sketches where it was more subtle. subtle. I would okay. do really big, crazy sketches, but I always did best when it was a little more subtle. And okay. That's the thing about film is you sort of have to do, you just don't do anything. Okay. You know, the problem with the jump from stand-ups and sketch comedians and improvisers to the screen is that they just are doing too much. They're just being too big. Yeah. Now you can, that's an easier transition to network sitcoms and even cable. So television, it's easier to be a little bigger because the screen is smaller. Okay. Um, Although the best dramas and things are or the acting is like in film. Yeah. But with film, the screen is so huge and the scale and production is so huge that the less you do, the better. And so what I really found was how I found success in film especially was do nothing and then hit the jokes. So in between the comedy, yeah. I would just act 
naturally but with a slightly different voice yeah yeah and then i just had done so much stand-up and comedy yeah. in general you really know that, that yeah. the, but when i would audition i would sort of go all right the jokes are here here two lines and then here and then here and there's no joke at the end so i'm going to improvise a tag at the end of the audition okay and then the rest of the time i would just say the lines like how i thought someone would naturally say them Wow. And that ended up really working because you're really, as a comedic actor, you're really just trying to get laughs and in between not be distracting. Yeah. And a lot of comedians can't so I'm not make a very that good transition. Actor, you know, I'm just really good at not, uh, <laughs> at not trying. No, you know, but at, you, at, but at you fill up the screen and I think that's part of being the star and all that. Act. I'm not like, no, okay, but now I'm going to do this thing and this. And, and it also helps to have a good director, but you really have to, that's what I learned in annoyance theory. You have to make a decision. In annoyance, two people step on stage to improvise. Each of them can have completely different ideas, but once they establish them, they have to stick with them. Yeah. So one person can be like, our baby is hungry, you know? And yeah. the other person has already started limping around like a hunchback. And you can't suddenly stop being a hunchback and being like, well, do you want me to get a bottle? You have to sort of be like, it's not our baby. It's our, like, it's our little hunchy, you know? It's bad hunchy. to say it's not, but it's like, yeah. it's my baby, not your baby. And it's like, no, it's our baby. We had it together. And it's like, yes, we had it together. But if he has a hunch, I don't want to burden him with you. And it's like, no, no, he has the most beautiful hunch, just like you. I love your hunch. And then that becomes the scene. Yeah. And so what we learned in Annoyance Theater was you have to be so fucking in tune with stick with your shit. That's what I always say. Whatever yeah. it is, stick with it and don't drop it and be confident in it. So with um, auditions, I, I sort of found that too. And then on the set, it's like you can't kind of be like... Some actors do this. They go, oh, well, do you think that was good? Like, what did you think? And they just keep asking the director over and over. I found a lot of success in doing something and then understanding nine out of ten times, don't ask the director if it was good or not. Yeah. They'll come over and tell you if they need something else. That's so great. So just be confident in what you're doing and then wait for them to tell you to do something else. And then I'll take one or two times out of ten and say, come over and go, hey, I thought that was funny. Do you have any other ideas? I thought I could maybe do it this way. The worst is to be acting and working with actors that come up and are like, did you think that was good? I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't think, I just, just didn't feel it. It wasn't, and the, the director's like, no, 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 that was really good. It's like, okay, well, can I just do one more? Like, let me just do one more. I think I just, I really fucked that up. And I, I don't know, it just wasn't that good. It's, that's, really, it's yeah. a hard energy to be yeah. around. It's a hard energy for directors to feel, although they're used to it. And you find so much more success in just saying, okay, I'm going to do this take. I'm going to have two more takes. So instead of putting pressure on myself, let's just put the best foot forward. And that's good. And you kind of do that in stand-up. I mean, you can't yeah. go on stage and halfway through the act be like, I'm sorry, I messed this up. Tonight, Yeah. on stage, <laughs> I screwed up two bits. I started uh, doing one without having done an earlier that's one. That's so funny when I saw that happen. It's but like, I, but you've pulled it off. You're able to go back and I put did, it back in. And it's I, fantastic. But I did that in Rhode Island. Yeah. And I liked it. Yeah. So I tried it again tonight, but I had already started in on the other joke, not yeah. pretending to forget it. So it was very complex, but then another time I started doing a bit about Kate getting mad at me about a dream that she had, but I 
started that before I had established that I had had a dream where I almost hooked up with another girl. I didn't. So I, yeah. I started a joke that required a different joke before yeah. it. So I just quickly morphed the setup into being able and to that, serve the punchline of the joke I needed to. And absolutely. then I just skipped that setup and went right into that was essentially so funny. the punchline. And that's so a, the, you, yeah. I can't say to that audience, whoa, you guys, I, did, I, I didn't mean to do that. I, let me just go back a little bit. You absolutely have no choice but to figure out and be confident. Well, that's what that's what's so dynamic about the craft of stand-up is that you can actually, sometimes a mistake will make it even better because you went somewhere new and then you have to improv into something that goes back to what you're talking about and it's like that chaos or whatever can really make an electric moment happen yeah, and so i, I love real, talking about time and then asking them to time travel back to yeah so funny a call forward and then apply the laughter that should have been in the call back to the that's call good. forward when they hear what i was referencing and the thing they just saw that's all very yep. funny and complex and then the audience feels like yeah. oh wow this is well, this is great. A little bit more than joke about. This know? is great stuff. It's so cool to work with you this weekend. I'm yeah, excited. We did. Next we did week, we got Winnipeg. Come on out, everybody. If yeah, you're out there listening to us in Canada. Rumors. Rumors. All Comedy Club. All except for Sunday, this coming weekend. And then Sunday show. Fly, like lightning round. What did you think of the theater in Rahway, New Jersey? Um, I thought it was a little older, so it was a little more difficult to connect, but to get the, to get the laughter kind of like all at once. Like I had to kind of pull stuff and kind of, forget, you know, it was it was definitely a little bit more work than the other three shows that we did. And that was know. called the Union County Pack, yeah. which is a performance arts center. Mm. I think if it says performance arts center, it's a tough sell for comedy. I think that so. That yeah. absolutely means that they have music, but they yeah. have plays and Broadway reviews. And and then stuff we, like yeah. That. Then we did the Comedy Connection Rhode Island. That was a straight comedy club, like two hundred people two plus, shows, like perfect. Sold out. They got the they got the two drinks stand. They got the people. Everything's like perfect and yeah. fast, and it's, it's like just on the money. people. They're right next to you, so you can the play with them. In the back, you can connect yeah. with them on stage. The I like a smaller room, crowd. You can, you're, you're always touching knees. And with then the person you're with, yeah. is so small. <laughs> and then this one we just did the theater was uh, in Paramount Theater in Huntington, New York. Right. That was great. It was a huge theater, but we were still able yeah, to have scattered. that connection. Yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. We both had a we fun found time. Found our way. So it was three very different venues. Uh, I thought four good shows, but three excellent shows, and the club ended up being yeah. the thing that was explosive. And this is great. Know? Thank you so much for uh, the shows you. and being on the podcast. That's great. <laughs> this Let's is perfect. Do. We we Winnipeg. rode right to the apartment. Perfect amount of time. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with this. And go to the Patreon, you cheapies. And I'll see you, too. See you soon. I'll leave you with this. Bye-bye.